0: How you doing? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, a, a little kid asked his mum, "Mum, uh, no, the other way around." Uh, a mum asked a little kid, "Why should we be quiet in church?" And a little kid replied, "Because everyone's sleeping." It's kind of what I experienced just then. I said hello, and I just wondered for a second, is everyone awake? (laughs) Hey, uh, this uh, February, we've been um, looking at a series. We're looking at the values of our church. Um, If you want to know what we are about, this is a great month to actually be part of what's going on. And so I encourage you, if you missed last Sunday, I think it was a very important uh, Sunday, talking about looking up and what that means. Uh, but we'll go through it in just a second. Before we go any further, I want to pray. Let's hand over this morning, uh, this, this time of gathering around the Word to Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity where we can gather around the Word of Jesus Christ. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is leading us into all truth We thank you that right now, right now, this is an eternally significant moment as we come to your word and as we learn and as we grow. I thank you, Lord, that every person you have chosen here, you have chosen to be here this morning to hear this word. We thank you for this and we honor you in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Our vision as a church is to connect people to Christ, to empower people with purpose, and to build family. Connect people to Christ, that is to see people saved. Come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is our goal for everyone, for our community, for our children, to come to know Jesus. Because we know that He is the only hope for the world there is no one else there is nothing else and so we want to help practically but really more than anything that we can give to people is the truth of jesus christ that will change their lives that will change their families that will change their destiny we want to connect people to jesus We want to empower people with purpose you if you if you are in jesus christ you are gifted you are given something for the good of people, the church, and all mankind. We want to empower that. And we want to build family because we are told that you and I, we're family, we're joined together, not by blood, but by the Spirit of God. That's the vision of our church. It's a biblical vision. A vision is a picture of where you want to go. I hope you have a vision for your life what you would like for yourself so vision is a picture of where you want to go and the values are the boundaries within which you will operate this is how i live my life on my way to going to where i'm going to go and as a church we've coined these terms look up lean in reach out and expand looking up is putting christ at the center it's going to Christ for the most important questions. My values, my purpose, my, um, my, my destiny is building a life and an identity around who God is as opposed to who the world says we are, a crooked and a corrupt generation. We talked about that last week. Leaning in is about valuing what we're doing here, is about discerning the body of, of Jesus Christ, which is the church, and we're going to be speaking about that today. Reaching out, it's about being missional, not being self-centered. In fact, psychologists tell us one of the uh, ways in which we can become quite depressed is when we always look inwardly. But when we look outwardly and we give and we love and we sacrifice and we live from an outward perspective, there is actually just something that happens that brings joy. Yeah. That is a biblical perspective. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. That's your first commandment. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Outward looking, right? And expansive to, to think about how we can expand and we can do things better. is very much at the heart of who we are as a church. Look up, lean in, reach out, and expand. We are going to look at uh, leaning in today. Why don't you turn to someone and say, lean in. Lean in, lean in. <laughs> I feel the heartbeat of my church unite with one purpose, one heart, one body, one pulse. There are a couple of texts that I want to read. There's two that have really impacted me and give us an understanding. There's so many more texts about this, but give us an understanding of how Jesus saw his followers, the church. And we're going to talk about what that means, okay? So John chapter 17, verse 20 to 23 says this. Jesus is speaking here before, before I go into what he's saying. He is praying for his disciples, just before he is crucified. So this is a really important thing. This is, you know, when someone, you if you've got um, uh, relatives overseas, you know, you know what it's like for them to go back overseas after seeing them, and you don't know when you're going to see them again. Okay. And it's a, kind of like a, oh, you know. And so in that, point, in that point in time, if they say to you, and yet sometimes, you know, with the older relatives like my grandmother, when we went to go see her for 90th birthday, it's like, I may never see you again, you know. And and so when they say, look, I want to tell you something. I want you to listen to this, right, because I may never see you again. You pay attention. This is kind of what, this is kind of the area of Scripture that we're looking at. This is the thing that Jesus wants us people his his disciples to know before he goes okay and so he says my prayer he's praying for them he says my prayer is not for them alone i pray for also i pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that's us that's us we believed in jesus through the message of the apostles now let's see what he's praying for us that all of them may be one. All of us, the church here in Life and Legacy Church, but also the Christians all over the world may be one, may be united, may be together. He's praying. Jesus is praying for this. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, Do you think Jesus is pretty close to his father? We call we we call this the Trinity. Where they're not three gods, they're one God, but three different persons, but they are one. And he's saying, Father, as we are one, as I am in you and you are in me, and Jesus says he's the full representation of the Father, he says, I pray that they, all of us, may be one. Isn't that crazy? Like there is this, he's calling us into some sort of like closeness that is reflective of who God is. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Apparently, God wants us to be involved in this community of people that, that reflects who He is in His very essence. He and Jesus and His Father and His Father and Him and them in us and us in them. That's what He's saying. And in that, apparently, well, not apparently, this is what Jesus says, that the world may believe that you have sent me. In that sort of community, there would be a proof that this is obviously true that Jesus is the truth. What sort of community is that? What's he calling us to? Let's let's keep going. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. He just repeats himself. I am uh, I I in them and you in me so that they may be brought into complete unity then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. This is an image of a group of people that Christ is in and they are in Christ. There's, uh, they are so powerful and effective as a witness in action. This is Christian community. The next text that I want to look at is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. These are quite impactful scriptures when you're thinking about what you've experienced in church. Right? and what God expects of His church. Because consequently, you are no longer foreigners. He's using an analogy of a nation. You're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and you are also members of God's, of His household. So now He's talking about a family. Built on the foundation of the apostles, now He's talking about a building, and prophets, and Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone, In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to be a holy temple in the Lord. See, a temple in the Old Testament was the place where God's presence resided. It's where heaven touched earth. And what He's saying to us is that us together, we, we form the temple we are the place where heaven touches earth. The body of Christ, the family, the household, the people that come together are the, are, are, are the temple. We house the presence of God. You know, I'm convinced that for the most part, we don't realize exactly how much we need each other. I, I, don't, I don't want to talk... J- j- just for a second, I'm going to take a sidestep from the church. I'm just going to talk about how much we need people in general. For example, um, just say your house, okay? You're going to go home this afternoon after church, and you're probably you're going to walk in, you're going to flick on a light maybe, or you're going to turn on the air con, and there's, uh, there's going to be power in your house, electricity, right? Have you considered... How many people it has taken to get that electricity to your house? Have you considered? I'm an engineer, so I think like this, you know. Well, firstly, someone installed that switch, didn't they? And someone made it, probably in China. And then some electrician installed all those wires. Whenever your house was built, someone did that. And then there's a distribution company. Maybe you're with Origin. Or Lenta Energy. If you've got a better deal than I, let me know. And, you know, they've got many, many people on the phone, probably in India, answering your, your calls when you're complaining about your power bill. And then they've got a whole group of maintenance staff that is looking after the distribution network, right? Then they've got where they get the power form from, They've got the, um, uh, what's it called? Tim, help me out here. Power station, that's what I'm looking for. Power generation, which is probably coal-powered. And that would have taken a whole bunch of engineers to design, a bunch of people to, um, uh, to, to run it, to maintain it. Then there's a the coal mine. All those people, all involved, so you can just flick a switch and turn on a light. And we take it for granted. Now multiply that over your water system, your sewage system, the fact that uh, you have food in your house. You know, we, we you know how many people are you know uh, are killing and gutting their own animals. You know how how many people are growing their own? No, we go to Woolies, and some of us would be absolutely lost if we couldn't walk into the frozen aisle and get those you know little bags of of veggies that we could use. You know. Would we even exist? Would we even, if we were the only people on earth, would we, would we be able to even exist and live? Probably not for a lot of us. Maybe some of you can, you know, go and fend for yourself in the wild, but not many of us. So in reality, we have this, this whole system of interrelated and linked people. In fact, you have a job. Why? Because someone needs what you do. Is there a job that like that has no point? No, that, that does nothing and gets paid? And I know what you're thinking, but council workers do a lot, okay? <laughs> it's not true, okay? But do you see how we're interrelated? That's why you can have like a global financial, or you can have a housing crisis in America and it affects the entire world because we're all so connected. Now, I want you to take that and look at the Christian community. I want to suggest to you that Christian community, this interdependency takes it up a notch. We are more interdependent. We need each other more. Christian community is unique. It is essential for the ongoing success of the individual Christian and the world. Jesus said to us, we are the light. We are the salt. Salt is preservative. It's a preservative. There is no plan B. God's plan for the world is the church, is the living body of Jesus Christ. Is it not? And he says to us, he says, you, you group of people is where heaven touches earth. You group of people is 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 when when you are united as one will be the evidence that Jesus is who He says He is. We are the redemptive arm of God. The church is where heaven touches earth. The church is where people who follow God meet. The church is the unit put forward as uh, by Jesus as the proof that He is the truth. The church is the redemptive power of god so the question is is what does god expect of his church what does he expect of us is that a good question he expects us to be united i've got three things here that i think uh helps us to understand god's will and purpose for us being involved in the church now they're not exhaustive but they're three very important things and the first one is 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 quite simple his church is to be together in one place. We're meant to get together. When the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 2, this is the day of Pentecost, it was the kind of, the, the, it, it was the working of the Holy Spirit and that's when Peter stood up and he preached and there were 3,000 people got saved and it just went crazy. It went ballistic after that. But When they started in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 verse 1, it says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were, what does it say? Read it with me. All together in one place. All together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They were gathered together in one place. Can I, can I just say, the place is not the church. I'm very glad that we have this place, and I'm very glad that we are not out there, and I'm very glad that this place has aircon. Can I get an amen? Because we could meet in a park if you like. <laughs> Who would like that? And like Julian said, uh, we remember when we used to meet in a hall without an air con, it was, it was tough. It was tough. You know, I'd be drinking a lot of water <laughs> up here, going through it. But it's not the place. I know. In our modern day culture, we think of church and we think of the building, right? Look, look at the look at that beautiful church. But the word that's used in the Bible that's translated as church has nothing to do with the building. It has nothing to do with the place. It has to do with the gathering. So. The church started when they were all together in one place and the Holy Spirit came upon them. In our culture, church has become a place where you go kind of semi-regularly to be around, can become, I should say, not has, but can become a place where you go uh, semi-regularly to be around positive people or when you're having a really bad season in your life. The statistics show us that people kind of just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I haven't been going to church. I'll go every now and again. Is that what Jesus had in mind in those verses that we just read? Matthew chapter uh, 18, verse 20, says this, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Where two or three gather. Now, what's he trying to say? That Jesus is not present when you're praying by yourself? Is that... Is that what he's No, of course not. Jesus is present. But there is something when you gather with a group of people, isn't there? There is something that happens when you are here in worship that that isn't the same as listening to worship at home. When you're listening to the guy 3 rows back who can't really sing, sing at the top of his lungs, there is something that says, you know, we're in this together. There is something that happens when human beings get together. Now, I, I love technology. I'm not, I'm not against technology, but church is not online. Church is when you get together with people. Church is where there's intimacy. Church is when there, there, there is a certain, you know, when people walk in here, sometimes they'll say things like, oh, we feel really welcome. Oh, the people are genuine. My, my favorite is this one. There's a great vibe. Have you, have you heard that, that, that people say things like that? Or we feel something. I've seen grown men cry, right? Because they sense the presence of God. They don't necessarily have the words for it, but they sense the presence of God. There's a reason for this. Because Jesus says when you come together in unity, that just being together in unity in one place is evidence enough that Jesus is the truth. There is something that happens here that is spiritual. It is literally like heaven and earth meeting at a point in time and space. And we are called to gather together in one place regularly. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, 25, and let us consider how we may spare one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We're called to meet together. We're called to come together. And there's something that is transformative with being with the group of people, worshiping, listening to the word, that is not the same as listening to worship and being uh, and listening to a great podcast, a great preacher at home. It's not the same. Now, I'm not against, I'm not against uh, technology. Don't get me wrong. But just say, you know, uh, you were looking for a special someone and you went on a dating app. And, you know, you met someone and you decided to chat online. And you got married, but you kept your relationship online. I mean, you're not making any babies that way. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how good your iPhone is. There's no intimacy happening. We're called to be together in one place. It's so simple, but we we do not discern the body of Christ when we are not gathering regularly. There is something that we are missing when we don't when we don't gather with other people who have this this relationship with Jesus. They carry this this intersection between heaven and earth, and we all get together, and together we are like the temple of God. There is something that happens. We are called together together. And what does Jesus expect of his church? He expects us to get together the next thing I want to suggest to you that Jesus expects his gatherings to be big and small big and small what do I mean by that let's look at Acts chapter 2 verse 46 and it says this um, by the way this is just after the church was birthed and it was just growing 3,000 people got saved in one day and God added to their number daily they were just growing hugely and this is what it says every day they continued to meet together everyone say "together." together all right we're seeing a common theme here. They meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Some people say, you know, oh, you know church shouldn't be too big and things like that. Well, they met together in the temple. There's at least 3,000. We don't know, how, probably a lot more than 3,000 people. So they met together in a large group of people. There is, a, there is a place for us to get together in a large group of people for corporate worship and corporate teaching and so we can also organize ourselves and give, each, give the, the community of people what we need, in youth groups and kids' uh, ministries and all sorts of things, right? That's a good thing. But we are also called to meet in smaller groups. It said they broke bread in their homes. You reckon all 3,000 people went to a house and had and, and, and ate together? No, they had smaller houses. So they caught up in big groups. And they caught up in small groups, and they did both. That's how the early church worked. Now, in our culture, it is possible that large groups can become places where people can hide or places that people attend with no accountability. Now, I understand that people want to do that sometimes, and that's, well, you know, that's where you're at, but... This is an opportunity for us to step into something more, to be united in purpose and to love and to care for one another in, in a greater way that represents Jesus. And so can I suggest to you, if we're going to be everything that God has called us to be, we need to gather in big groups but also small groups. Can I, if you're not part of one of our grow groups, can I invite you to be? We've got men's uh, grow groups. We've got the ladies' grow group that just started that I heard went off. And Gary wants to attend, but he can't because he's not a lady. <laughs> I heard it went great, you know, and Gary told me, bro, I'm a little bit jealous. I'm like, okay, yeah, me too. We, uh, we've got uh, families, grow groups When we get together, there's the place, this is really important. Corporate teaching is really important. Corporate worship is really important. But when we can get together in a smaller group and have some conversations about what God is doing in our own hearts, that's incredibly important too. And God expects that to happen uh, of His church. They're having a meal together. They're having some fun. They're having a few laughs. They're living life together. That's part of joining together, being one, and the people witnessing what this actually looks like. And I know to some of us it might seem intimidating, but can I encourage you that this is how God sees His church. The third thing I want to suggest to you you that Jesus expects of His church is that His church be united and missional. It be united and missional. Jesus prayed, God, I pray that they would be one. As you and I are one, that they would be one. Them in us and us in them. You know, it's quite amazing what we can do when we put our heads together. Like the fact that you can flick on a switch and that power comes from hundreds of miles away. Human beings, when we put our mit- minds together and unite for a purpose, are, are capable of so much. But have you noticed that we are capable of so much destruction when we are divided? So much death, so much hate. We're just capable of, of extremes, aren't we? Any group of people, and I look across the, the room today, and I see all different colors of the rainbow. I, and, and I look at all, like there's all different ages. And there's probably all different levels of understanding on, on, on different, uh, uh, you know, on finances, and different understanding on, um, on, on even the Bible. And there's so much scope for division. In fact, you get a group of people together, and it's more likely that there will be problems than there will be great, good feelings of joy and love constantly. Because that's how people... I'm a project engineer, right? Which means I manage projects. And left to its own devices, a project doesn't go according to plan and according to budget and schedule. It needs someone to come and to pull it into shape. Would you suggest that a child that you're raising should just be allowed to be who they are with no guidance? Is that how the world works? No. Things tend towards chaos unless there's work put in, right? And here we are, we are told, we are, where Jesus is saying that my people will be united in one place, one purpose. You know, unity is not uniformity. Unity is not being the same. Unity is unifying around a common goal. Now, diversity is what we are. We're very diverse. We're a diverse group of people. Diversity is actually a strength because we're very... You look at a family. A family is full of very different... There's a mother and a father. They're very different. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. They're very different. But they come together, and you have a unity for a single purpose, right? But even a family unit, that, that is a breeding ground for division. And so what we have here as a body of Christ is an opportunity here to be united in our diversity as opposed to divided in our diversity. We have an opportunity to be really strong. It is unlike, let me put it this way, it is unearthly to see a group of people that are so diverse to be so united. It's unearthly to see people that are sacrificial, that are part of a group not out of self-interest, that are here to give, that are here to forgive, that are here to serve without expecting anything in return. That is so unearthly. But if you had people like that together in one place, they would form a community that was so strong that people will walk into that sort of community and go, this is not of this world. This is something else. This is something different. Where do you get this from? This is a representation of who God is. Do you you see? Church is not a place, not a building that we go to. It's a people that we belong to. And in this argy-bargy of, you know, he said this and she didn't do that and all that sort of stuff that affects us all because we're all selfish human beings, that in all of that, when we sacrifice and we give, that we are learning the very heart of who God is. See, church, in a sense, even a service like this is a representation of who God is and His love. Every opportunity when we come together is an opportunity to represent Him. Do we see church that way? Or is it just somewhere in our culture that, hey, we go, we be around positive people, you know, when we're going through a tough time. Hey, as Christians, we ought to go there once in a while at least. That's not what Jesus had in mind for his church. And he's calling us. He's calling us into a different, different type of community, a different way of living, something that is countercultural. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, he says, From him, talking about Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every, th- every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is a missional statement. We're called to do something. We're called to represent someone. In conclusion this morning, this is a church service. Everyone is welcome at this church service. It doesn't matter whether you believe in Jesus or you are uh, searching. Maybe you're of another faith. Maybe you haven't decided yet what you believe Everyone is welcome in in a church service. But we are invited into something much more. We're invited into something that transcends all our understanding. We're invited into a realm that is between heaven and earth as we worship together. As we look at God's word, we're invited into something that is unearthly. We're called here into the presence of God through the work of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Do you see that? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You. A temple, like I mentioned before, was a place where people went to, to, to ask God for forgiveness It was represented the presence of God on earth. That is no longer required you, your heart. Your heart is where heaven and earth intersect. And we are invited into that sort of relationship with God through the work of Jesus Christ. I want to end with the gospel this morning. there was a separation between us and God in a place called Eden. Eden was a beautiful place. It was a place of peace. It was a place of joy. It was a place where we, in the form of Adam and Eve, would commune with God. And through our own rebellion, we walked out of this beautiful garden, this place of peace, a place of joy, a place of communion with God. We walked out of that place. And we said we will do things our own way. We rebelled against the great purpose and, uh, and the gift of God, the gift of life, the gift of himself. And we said, we'll do it our own way. And there was, there was a price to pay for this. It was called death. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus came and took all that rebellion, the righteous wrath of God upon himself, and we were given a way back through the work of Jesus Christ in our own hearts that we would experience even in a world that is filled with sin and death and, and destruction, that we would experience what we had in Eden, what that temple meant, that God's presence, His peace would be in our hearts. And we were invited into this Daily, and this gathering of people is to remind one another when we get sidetracked, which we all do, as to what we're here for. We're here to experience the presence. We're here to, uh, we've got a future ahead of us that God has promised an eternal security. A question for you, do, do you discern the body of Christ? Do you value, do you see what church is about? It's more than just a place you go sometimes. Gonna get Aaron in the keys as we finish up? I want to pray this morning for, for our church. Father, we come before you and we thank you for this group of people. I pray, Father, that we would see the value of your body. We would see that this is your plan for us. This is your plan for the world. It's not our idea. It's not a pastor's idea. It's not a denomination's idea. It's, it's the work of God. It's not just a group of people that have a common goal and a purpose. It's the very working of the almighty God to bring hope into people's lives and to change the world around us. And I pray that we would be a church that would value this be a church that will value one another and recognize the work of God I want to give you a moment if there is something that God has spoken to you about through this message just for you to be able to pray to bring it before god if there's something he's telling you to do something he's changed within you some realization that you've had why don't you just take a moment